0: Amen. Well, good morning. We're going to open the scriptures together, uh, as we love to do. I love the Bible. We love the Bible. We value the Bible here at Hope Church. We treasure the Bible, at least I hope we do. We uh, believe the Bible we trust the Bible. Thank you, Ian. And uh, we do our best by the help of the Holy Spirit. We do our best here, at least I hope we do, to submit to the authority of the Bible and to walk in obedience to what we find in the Bible. We love it, we trust it, we believe it, we submit to it, not just because it's a great book filled with great wisdom. It is that, but it's more than that. The Bible is more than just a great book. We believe that the Bible, or the words contained in the Bible, are words that have been given to us straight from the mind and the heart Of God Himself. Now, the Bible didn't just drop out of heaven one day in its, you know, fully formed, you know, state. Absolutely not. The Bible was put together, written by humans, put together by humans over a long period of time. But those humans, when they were writing the words of Scripture, they were writing under the guidance, under the direction, and under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit to the point where what they wrote, God spoke, and what God spoke, they wrote. And so we believe this is not just any old book. This is a book that contains divine words, divine power. It's what we believe, it's what I believe deeply, and it's what, you know, the movement of churches that we belong to believe, the apostolic church, we believe these things to be true about This book that we hold in our hands, not just any old book, they are words given to us by God to reveal who he is to us and to reveal his will for us as his people and to reveal his will for his world. This is what we believe to be true about the Bible. Now, the reason we believe that is not just because we've been told to believe that the reason we believe these things about the bible is not just because you know tradition has taught us to believe these things the reason we believe that these are the words of god carrying divine power and divine authority the reason we believe that is because that's what jesus himself believed about the scriptures you know if you read through the four accounts of jesus life in the four gospels that we're given in the New Testament, and you pay attention to the kind of things Jesus said, you know, it becomes really clear, really quickly, that Jesus really valued, treasured, believed, trusted in the scriptures. All the time he was quoting from scriptures or referring to scripture, Jesus loved it. He he meditated on the Scriptures. He studied the Scriptures. He believed the Scriptures. He trusted the Scriptures. And this comes through again and again and again in Jesus' words. And it become, it comes through particularly strongly in these next few verses that we're about to study together. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount for the last few weeks. And today we're coming to verse 17. And in these verses, Jesus is teaching about the scriptures. And this is what he says. Can you flick it on, please, Nigel? Thank you. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Really powerful words from Jesus, really dense containing so much truth. And I need to tell you that there's been so much discussion and debate for hundreds of years about what Jesus really meant in these words. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, Jesus says. Now, the law and the prophets was Jesus's way of referring to what we call the Old Testament, the scriptures, the scriptures that Jesus knew We're called the Law and the Prophets. The Law is referring to the Hebrew word Torah, which represents the first five books of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then the Prophets refers to everything else that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures. And so when Jesus says it on this occasion and several other occasions as well, when he says the Law and the Prophets, you need to think the Old Testament. So if you open your Bible, anyone got a paper Bible in here today? It don't seem to be in, in vogue uh, anymore. But if you've got a paper Bible, you go to Matthew, and uh, everything before Matthew, in my Bible, it's all this. look. Everything before Matthew, that much of your Bible, that's what Jesus is referring to when he says the law and the prophets. And Jesus says, really importantly, I've not come to abolish this. I've not come to disregard this or to get rid of it. In fact, Jesus goes even further in verse 18 of Matthew 5. He says, very truly I tell you. Jesus says that often throughout his teaching ministry. And when he says, very truly I tell you, what he means is, guys, listen up. Because what I'm about to say is really important. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. And he says, even more than that, you need to know that not even the smallest letter, nor the tiniest stroke of a pen will disappear from the law and the prophets. Really interesting language that Jesus used. Not even the smallest letter, nor the least stroke of a pen. You think about the English alphabet, right? You think about the design of all the letters. Think about something like the letter I. You all know what that looks like. It's a vertical line. And then above that vertical line is a tiny little dot, right? Jesus is saying... Not even the tiniest little dot from the law and the prophets have I come to remove or destroy. Jesus viewed the Bible higher than any of us viewed the Bible. Jesus says, when it comes to God's word, when it comes to the law and the prophets, even the tiniest little pen mark is significant and matters. And it will not pass away, Jesus says, until heaven and earth pass away. Now, why did Jesus say these things? I wonder if he said these things in part to address an accusation that was being leveled at him. We've seen in the last few weeks, haven't we, that Jesus comes along. And he claims to be the king of God's kingdom. And he announces that God's kingdom had arrived. And we know, don't we, that some of the things that Jesus said, maybe even all of the things that Jesus says, were really shocking and unsettling for a lot of people. Some of what Jesus said was so radical that lots of people found it difficult to accept or understand or process. Because you see, some of the things Jesus was teaching was so far outside of the box that the religious establishment especially had created around God's word and God's character and God's ways. And some of the things that Jesus says were just outside of that box And some people just couldn't cope with what Jesus was saying. They couldn't process it. And so rather than accept it, I think maybe there were lots of people that began to accuse Jesus of disregarding God's word. Just because they couldn't understand the way Jesus was talking about it, they began to accuse Jesus of destroying it, attempting to destroy it at least, or disregarding it. And so I wonder if Jesus said these words here in these few verses, just to specifically address those that were accusing him of treating God's word with disdain or disrespect, Jesus says, no, 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 no. no. You might not be able to understand what I'm talking about. You may not be able to process the way that I'm teaching, but don't think for one second, Jesus says, that I've come to destroy the scriptures or to disregard or to remove all that God has said to us. In his word. No, 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 no. Jesus says when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to the law and the prophets, even the tiniest dot of an eye is significant. Carries power, carries authority, and carries revelation for us. I think this is really important for us to recognize and to understand and to consider. Because what it means for us as disciples of Jesus What it means for us as people that belong to the kingdom, it means that we are not, friends, at liberty to pick and choose when it comes to the Bible. We're not at liberty to say, I'll take some of the scriptures as God's word, but some of it I won't. We're not at liberty to say, oh, I like that bit, but I don't like that bit. So let's just say that bit's God's word and the rest of it is, you know, up for grabs. No, 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 we're not at liberty to do that because Jesus himself never did that with the scriptures. He didn't pick and choose. He said every dot, every stroke of a pen, even the smallest letter, it's all God's word given to us. And as followers of Jesus, as subjects to King Jesus and members of his kingdom, friends, we're not at liberty to pick and choose when it comes to the scriptures. It's all God's word given to us by God. It all carries power and authority and has something profound to teach us. But this raises a problem, doesn't it? This raises a problem. If we've got to take every single dot, every single stroke of a pen in the Scriptures as, God words, it ra- as God's Word, it raises a problem for us, doesn't it? Because let's be honest, some of what's contained in the Bible is difficult to understand, right? Some of it is weird. Anyone with me on that? Right? Some of it is bizarre, and let's be honest, some of it is even quite offensive. Anyone with me on that? So it raises a problem. If we need to accept all of it as given to us by God, well then what do we do when it comes to the bits of the Bible that don't make sense or seem bizarre or even worse, offensive? Some of it is weird. I mean, look at this, one of these verses in the Old Testament. Can you flick it up? This is found in Leviticus. I know that's all your favorite book in the Bible, but it says this. You shall keep my statutes, God says. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. I mean, if it's all God's word, if the least stroke of a pen is all God's word, what do we do when God says things like this? Do we need to change the way that we dress do we need to reconsider the way that we garden? Do we need to reconsider the way we understand animal breathing in order? What, what does it, what does it mean? Anyone, anyone wearing clothes that are made of two different kinds of material this morning? Right, right. We all are. What does this mean? If this is God's word, are we all living in contravention to God's word? I mean, it's difficult to understand. I mean, what about this next one, Nigel? Can you flick it on for me? This is just for the men, really. Uh, he says, "Do not trim off the hair on your temples, or trim your beards." Anyone had a shave recently, right? Alan, Alan Alan's the holiest man in here, look. <laughs> right? You haven't grown your hair down here, though, mate. You've, you've trimmed the hair on your. Te- I mean, what, 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 what do we, what do we do with that? What, what do we do if, if? Jesus is saying every stroke of a pen and every letter is given to us by God. What do we do when we come to parts of the Bible that just sound weird, bizarre, or maybe even offensive? Jesus says, I'm not come to abolish this. I'm not coming to get rid of any of this. So what do we do? How do we understand what Jesus is teaching here well it's difficult to be honest it's difficult to understand what Jesus is teaching here and so many different suggestions and lots of discussion of and debate has surrounded these few verses as with all the bible but I think it's really important to pay attention to what Jesus says next put it on uh, the next slide for me do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets Jesus says I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I'm not come to get rid of them, but I've come to fulfill them. This is really important for helping us understand how we approach the Word of God. What does Jesus mean when he says, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets? Well, again, there's lots of discussion and there's lots of layers actually I think to what Jesus is saying. But one of the things I'm pretty confident Jesus is saying is this. He says, I've not come to abolish all the law and all the prophets and all the Old Testament. He says I've come to show you, listen carefully, says I've come to show you the true meaning of it all. I have come to show you the true meaning." You see, the Hebrew Bible, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, all the commands, all the stories, all the prophecies and predictions that are contained in the Old Testament, all the weird and wonderful laws and rules, you know, they were never supposed to be the end of the story. They were never supposed to be the end of the story of redemption, the beautiful and glorious story of redemption that God began writing in history. The, the the law and the prophets were not the end of the story in fact they were really just the beginning of the story they were not the fullness of what god was doing they were just the beginning stages of what god was doing think for a minute will you about buildings and architecture think about this in fact think about imagine if you were an architect and you'd been commissioned to design just a wonderful building, a palace or a castle, whatever it was. If you're an architect, in your mind's eye, you would have a picture of what the finished building would look like. And in your mind's eye, it would look glorious and splendid and beautiful. Now, to bring that vision to reality, what's the first thing you need to do? Well, you need to throw some foundations in the ground, right? You need to throw some foundations in the ground in order to see this beautiful vision of a building come to reality. Now, the foundations are not the finished product, are they? The foundations are not the end of the story. The foundations are not the fullness of what the designer had in their mind. They are the beginnings of it, and they are super significant to it. In fact, without the foundations of the building, you could never have the complete building. And so the foundations are super significant, and without the foundations, the full vision cannot be realized. And there is a sense, I think, in which Jesus is saying that the law and the prophets, all the weird and wonderful bits of the Bible that we read, and I'm confused by it. I think there is a sense in which Jesus is saying, that was just the foundations of the beautiful, glorious story of redemption that God is writing in history. And he says, I've not come to destroy the foundations. That would be foolish. Because without the foundations, you can't have a building. How foolish would it be for a designer of a building to turn up on site just after the foundation stones have been laid to look at it and say, this looks nothing like what I've got in my mind's eye, Take them away. Let's destroy them. Let's begin again. That would be foolish, wouldn't it? In the same way, Jesus is coming along and he's saying, the law and the prophets, I've not come to destroy that. I've not come to abolish it. No, no, no. That's all super significant and super important. And without those foundations, well then the full vision of the beauty of the story of what God is writing can never come to pass. Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. i am not come to take away the foundation stones. Let me try and help you understand it. This is really complex, difficult stuff to get your head around, by the way. And I'm trying to make it at least accessible this morning. If I don't succeed, I'm sorry. But let me try and show you another way of, of, of trying to understand what Jesus is saying. You know, whenever somebody begins to learn an instrument of any kind, well, there are lots of ways to do it, but I guess the... Um, I guess the main way somebody would begin to learn an instrument, if you never played it before, you, you, you get on your instrument, and the first thing you're basically taught to do when you're attempting to become proficient in any musical instrument is you, you learn scales, right? You learn scales. anyone know what scales are, right? You learn scales. So you get on the piano you've never played before and you will be taught to do something like this. Scales. And you'd have to do them over and over again. And if you're feeling really brave, you can play them Backwards. Okay, and that's not particularly impressive, is it? No? And it's not particularly interesting, and it's not particularly colorful. It's just scales. But when you're learning an instrument, you keep playing scales over and over again, and something really interesting begins to happen the more you play scales, is you start to realize, actually... There's more that can be done with these scales than just. You, you you can mix it up a little bit with scales. The more you play it, you can go. It becomes a. Little... It's not great, but it's a little bit more interesting, isn't it? Right. You can play little tunes. You could even play. Yeah. Yeah. Remember it. <laughs> but you, you you play scales and they're boring and not particularly interesting, but the more you play scales, you start to realise actually the scales do not exist as an end in themselves. The scales are there to help something much better be produced, right? And so the more you play scales, you start to learn that actually. You can do little tunes and the more and more you play it, those scales, which are pretty boring and colorless and uninteresting, they they can turn into something a lot more interesting and beautiful and before you know it, those scales have turned into... colorless, uninteresting scale suddenly become something quite, well, I think it's quite beautiful. I think it's quite beautiful. I think it's quite compelling. I think it's quite attractive. And the thing is, that beautiful music, right? That music is not being made in contradiction to the scales. In fact, that music is... really possible because of the scales and I think there's a sense in which Jesus is saying listen the law and the prophets that was just scales and I think Jesus said I'm not come to get rid of the scales but I have come to play the music of the kingdom Jesus says I have come to show you what those scales were always intended to produce. I have come to show you what those foundations, those scales really mean and what those scales, the law and the prophets, what they were really intended to do was not just to be an end in themselves, but they were supposed to lead to beauty and melody and harmony and Joy And Jesus says, I've come to show you what the scales were always designed to produce. See, I've not come to destroy the scales. I've not come to get, in fact, the the, the music of the kingdom is impossible without the scales. But I've come to show you what the scales were always designed. Are are you with me? you, You understand where I'm going with this? And so Jesus says, the law and the prophets, that's just the scales. He says, but I've come to show you the music of the kingdom. And in fact, Jesus is going to go on and we're going to look at this together in, 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 in the following weeks. But Jesus is going to give us some really specific examples about what he means. He's going to say, you know, in the law, you know, there's that place where it says, do not murder. He says, that's just a scale. Do not murder. It's a good one. It's an important one. He says, but it's just a scale. He says, he says, in my kingdom, not only is it a kingdom that is absent of any murder of any kind, but he says, no, no, in the kingdom, not only, not only is there no murder, but there's, there's actually no hatred. And there's no anger. And there's no contempt, there's no bitterness in anyone's heart. And so Jesus is saying the scowl was do not murder. But the kingdom is no hatred, no bitterness, no contempt, no two people being mean to one another no one looking at their brother and saying you're an idiot you're a fool no no that doesn't happen in my kingdom no you see my kingdom's a kingdom of beauty and harmony and joy and the scale of do not murder becomes the beauty of do not even be angry in your heart Jesus is going to go on to say you know there's that place in the law where it says you mustn't commit adultery You know, you mustn't, you mustn't do that. It's not a good thing to do. But Jesus is going to say, you know, do not commit adultery. That's just a scale. He says, in my kingdom, not only will there be no adultery, there won't even be any lust. In my kingdom, there will just be pure devotion. fidelity you see Jesus takes the scale of the law and transforms it into the music of the kingdom he's saying I'm not destroying the scales I'm not abolishing the law or the prophets but I have come to show you what it was always designed to lead to and it was always designed to lead to music to beauty to joy And to harmony. And so, friends, what I think Jesus' words mean for us is that we're not at liberty to pick and choose when it comes to the word of God. Jesus says every letter, every dot, every stroke of a pen, it's all from God. It's all significant. It all carries power. It all carries authority. We're not at liberty to pick and choose. But at the same time, I think what we need to understand is that even though we can't pick and choose, we do need to work hard to discover what the true meaning of God's Word really was and really is and where it leads to. And what we'll discover when we do that is that underneath all of God's words, even the ones that seem offensive and repugnant, underneath it all, there is beauty waiting to break out. I really believe that. And so we go back to those examples that we looked at earlier, where it says you, know, you can't mix breeds and you can't sow two different kinds of seed in the ground and You can't wear clothes that are made of two different materials. Well, on the basis of Jesus' words, what do we make of those sorts of commands, right? Is it really about clothes? I don't think so. I think the clothing law is just a scale. I think the kingdom music sounds different to the clothing law. You see, I think what that law was always supposed to lead to was not people who only wear a particular kind of clothes, but it was supposed to lead to people who are pure. Not in terms of the clothes we wear, but in terms of the heart that we carry. Pure, unmixed, unpolluted. And so this law about not wearing clothes that are made of two different materials... Good, sounds like that. But actually it was supposed to lead to something way more beautiful. It was supposed to lead to a group of people who are not just defined by the clothes they wear, but they are defined by the hearts that they carry. Hearts that are filled with purity. Right? And that law about not trimming your hair or your beard, what was that all about really? What was it about? You know, I think when you get underneath that, I think God was saying to his people, listen, you need to be different to the rest of the world. And one of the ways that God taught his people that they were to be different was by saying you need to have your hair and your beard in a particular style. But you see, Jesus comes along and he says that law about the beard and the hair, that was just a scale. He says, in my kingdom, I want to teach you what it really means to be different. And what it really means to be different is not to style your hair in a particular kind of way, but to live your life in a particular kind of way, right? To, y- to live your life in a way that stands out. This is what Jesus says last week. You want to be salt and light. You'll be different from the rest of the world. Play the music of the kingdom is when your lives begin to look different, not when your hair begins to look different. When your lives begin to look different by the way you treat one another and by the way way that you think about one another and by the way that you speak and by the way that you handle money and by the way that you tell the truth and by the way that you value integrity and by the way that you treat the poor and by the way that you stand up for justice and you stand up for the broken and you minister to the hurting. That's what it means to be different and when we begin to live lives like that, the scales of the kingdom turn into the music of the kingdom. And all of a sudden what was fairly irrelevant and uninteresting and colourless becomes something beautiful. And these scales, these foundation stones that God has put in place, they lead us to where they were always supposed to lead us, to lives to lives that are designed to declare and display the beauty of God. You see, you take this scale and you follow that scale to where God always intended it to be followed. And what you find is our lives. Our lives begin to play the music of the kingdom. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the God of Glory, majesty, praise for ever to the King. That's where the law and the prophets was always supposed to lead us. It was supposed to lead to a community of people whose lives declared the beauty and the majesty and the wonder and the greatness and the goodness of who God is. And so Jesus says, listen, I've not come to get rid of the law and the prophets. He says, I've come to show you what they were always supposed to. To show you. He says, I've come to show you what they really, really mean. And so friends, as we continue, Jesus is going to help us in the next few weeks understand this a bit more. He's going to help us understand what the law and the prophets were always supposed to lead to. But for now, it's enough to say, friends, value the scriptures, all of it. It's all God's word. what Jesus said. It's all God's word. And ask him, especially, especially with those parts of the scriptures that we find really difficult to swallow. Say, Lord, by your spirit, would you show me what this was always supposed to lead to? Would you show me what this really means? Friends, read your Bibles. All of it. All of it. Read it all. Every word, every dot, every letter. It's all from God. It all carries power. It all carries authority. And it all has something beautiful to show us. Not easy. It's not easy to do that. And it's a learning journey for all of us. But this is what Jesus says. Listen, i am not come to get rid of any of that. I've just come to show you what it really means. So let's pray. And then... Alan's going to come and lead us in a closing song. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these words. And these are dense, complex, difficult words from you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that what I've shared this morning, not only will it um, make some kind of sense to us, I just want to pray, Lord, that... uh, Because there's... um, Uh, Lord, I want to just pray that I want to pray that you'd help me, God, to understand your word in the way that it was always intended to be understood. And I want to pray that you would help me to speak your word in a way that honors your truth and magnifies your beauty and glorifies who you are. Lord, I pray, and I pray for us as a community of people, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, our lives would play the music of the kingdom. Not not simply the scales, but the music of the kingdom. Help us, I pray, today and every day. In your name.